0: So here we are and we're back and we just, uh, we're working with the hammer of mysticism. We're doing initiation into the mysteries and it's based on two books, Hammer of Mysticism and that's an encyclopedic journey into mystical processes and terms. And, yes. uh, and we we we'll be doing uh, later on, we're going to be working with the Mystical Rose, which also has a great subtitle. What's the subtitle for that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the celestial mysteries,
0: uh, the uh, garden of something God. in the enclosed garden of God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that's so, going to be a continuation into. Yeah, games. that'll
1: be part two. Yes,
0: and so looking mm-hmm. forward to that. Now, what we've uh, done so far is we've jumped in with uh, unitive consciousness, the mechanics of they are all the mechanics of that we're breaking down. And we kind of were, were uh, reverse engineering, starting with the end point of the book of Unitive consciousness, and then, uh, and then the mechanics of initiations, where we got into a whole bunch of processes and initiations. And it's not just for like, uh, oh, look at all these things, because every single one of them have a, a lesson, an energetic truth to it. It's a, it's an awareness that we have that then we know that something exists. It kind of opens the door for us to go into those is a, those areas. And then we finished off our last one with uh, mechanics of karma. And, yes. And now we're continuing on with the mechanics of energy. Now right off the bat, Marilyn, and being that you're you're doing so well and feeling so great, that's fantastic. Fantastic! (laughs) Not me. I'm incredible. I notice. I notice. I do this eye thing. I got that from uh, Chevy Chase. Oh, did you? (laughs) Yeah, but when I when I do it though, it doesn't look like Chevy Chase. It just looks like I'm being weird. So I'm gonna stop doing that. (laughs) I think you have your
1: own your own unique.
0: Eyeball move, because I oh. never
1: associated with Chevy's eyeball move, and I love Chevy Chase. I thought he was hilarious. Me too. I, I think he's awesome. So, yeah, so I like your eyeball move, because yours is funny, too, but I did not, <laughs> I did not put it together that it was, that it was, you know, takeoff from Chevy. So, it's your own. You've
0: made it your own. I never Ooh. thought of it as an eyeball move. <laughs> <laughs> you got a great eyeball move. Oh, well, no one's ever quite put it that way before, thank you. So if you were to um, just uh, give us an idea of uh, what we had to look forward to in the initiations or the mechanic into the uh, mechanics of uh, energy. Well, in the uh, mechanics of energy, you're going to be
1: going through a lot of the things that we discuss in the grand phases of the soul, um, which are the the, uh, three main phases of the soul development, purification, discrimination, and discipline, and the subsections of those, but also a lot of things regarding um, energetic truth, um, uh, understanding what eternal versus karmic means a lot of the initiations you go through are gonna be teaching you uh, the difference between that which is eternal and that which is karmic. Um, then you're going to be uh, learning about the, the poles of motion and this is important in the, in the mysteries because you're learning about this. Uh, you see this ironically in a lot of the ancient texts. It's the uh, sideways figure eight. It's the poles of motion. So you learn about how energy moves towards life, backwards, towards death. So these are the opposite poles of motion. And um, learning how energy moves and how energy evolves and how we move and where we are within the construct of energy is really important in the initiation process. And how do we utilize um, where we're at to um, make progress from there. That's very important.
0: Um, so, how would you, like, in regards to the mechanics of energy, how does it move through the three grand phases, would you say, from beginning uh, through the whole course?
1: Well, you know, the first phase is, uh, well, that's a great question. It's kind of hard to. Put into words, so I'm going to try, but it's difficult. But, you know, first I'll start with the poles of motion themselves, which is different than the three phases, but with the, the poles of motion, it's, you know, again, let's, let's look back at the book of the eights. And here we have the sideways figure eight. Okay. And this is the book of the eights is what it's the book of the immortals. So The Book of the Immortals is those who have attained to eternal life. And so this eight, what does it represent? On this far, on the right side, is going towards life, moving towards life. When it's going in this direction, it's moving towards death. Then it comes around circles again. What happens in the center? That's the point of balance. And so what often happens in the actual life cycle of a soul, a spirit, is the soul will go to extremes. And so we're looking at this midpoint. Think of the Buddha and his middle way and what many of the prophets spoke about in terms of finding this center. Um, When a person, uh, you know, Vimalakirti spoke, we talked about this in a previous uh, class, uh, in, uh, when we are talking about the grand phases of the soul, sometimes you have to go into the oceans of passions in order to actually overcome them. So sometimes we are thrust out into this balance. Um, and so we might be really far out to the out pole here, but then the goal then is then to move back where then we're pulling back in and then we might go to the Opposite extreme because the lesson of that karma, the energetic thrust of that karma is going to thrust us. So, we might go, let's say someone's struggling with lust, they might go be very extreme over here. They might actually, you know, be sex addiction and doing all kinds of crazy stuff over here. You know what I mean? And then they come through here and they go through some of the consequences of those actions and they they are experiencing the initiations and they're seeing the, the actual ramifications of those acts upon their soul and how it's impacting them. They may actually go to the opposite extreme here where they become um, prudish to the point where, um, you know, they, they, it's the opposite extreme. And, but the goal then of the soul is it's gonna come in to reach Balance where now you can achieve um, the eternal and proper expression of sexuality in a uh an eternal manner that is not disordered in in the way that is excessive and is not disordered in the way that it is repressive. And so this is what is happening when you're looking at understanding the opposite poles of action, and this helps us to also understand human behavior, um, because you'll see this with with human beings, people like, for instance, people who are struggling with any number of issues, maladies. They will go to these poles. Um, where someone who may be uh, excessively greedy may go from uh, being miserly over here to just giving everything away over here, and then finding the balance where they can um, uh, take care of themselves and their families, but then also have this proper balance of giving and also sustaining those they're responsible for, um, or people who are dealing with, let's think of something, addiction. People go on these addiction uh, binges. And of course, with addiction, you're dealing with the physical impetus as well, because addiction, well, so does lust, but you know, because there's a addiction qualities that are um, involved in that as well. But With alcohol, drugs, or addictions like those as well, there's a physical component to those addictions. However, you know people go to the extreme of the binging on those things, and then they might go to the opposite pole of where, and they they need to. It's necessary. It's not that this is. um, It is the necessary. Um, process of how that energy corrects itself and reaches balance. And so this is why this uh, opposite pole of motion is so important. When you're talking, though, about the general movement of energy through purification, discrimination, discipline, which was your original question.
0: Well, let's back up because I got got a little bit of something to say about what you just said. Okay. When I feel like I've gone to, because I've struggled with addictions as well. And so when I feel I've gone to a real excessive place with something, I almost had to come back to a zero point. And then from there, having nothing to do with whatever the excess was, then gradually start to move like one step at a time and then wait until I'm okay there, you know, and try to get it closer to like just a middle way. So. Right.
1: And, and you know, it's important to like with substance abuse, because I'm, I'm walking a fine line there because with substance abuse, the, you know, generally, if you have an addiction to a substance, you just have to stay away from it. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't drink at all. You can't um uh, smoke at all. You can't, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, whatever drug or whatever, you just have to stay away from it. That's the, that's the at least the pervading um, guidance at, at this time, and I think that's wise. Um, but, you know, for instance, like um, uh, with, with other types of things, you know, even like with sex, um, yes, someone can be a sex addict and decide they're gonna be celibate the rest of their life, but that's not reasonable for most people because most people aren't called, to that life you know some are um, but some are married some have a different calling in life and so that's not a a a reasonable long-term goal for them um for people who struggle with food addictions you know they are going to have to continue to eat so they're going to have to find that point like you're talking about and so you know there's a reason why the uh, the balances do have to be achieved, but when you're talking about substances like drugs and alcohol, I know that it's important to just try to not, you know, stay away from them, period. Um, but there are a lot of other things that you, you can't just apply that, you know what I mean? <laughs> just because of the fact that, you know, um, and there's also things, you know, there are people who are even addicted to things like exercise. And so then you, you have the yeah. same problem, you know, and when,
0: so. And when I said that, I was really thinking about exercise. I was thinking about food and I was thinking about lust. You know? Okay. But those were the three things that I was kind of thinking about. Because even like with working out, I got to work out seven days a week or it doesn't count. Or I do zero. <laughs> <laughs> zero or seven, I don't care, you know. So I'd like to find a middle way with that. And I'd like to find right. a middle way with food and, you know just having a balanced balanced life
1: right and so you know what you're describing is is something where um that would be something worth worth seeking out especially because you're almost becoming like a slave to this idea that it's ironically it's fulfilling a compulsion you know what i mean If I exercise today, then I'll feel better about myself. If I don't, then I basically suck. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so, so you'd rather just go through it and not feel like you suck than actually go through the process of trying to examine, well, why do I think I suck if I work out every other day or every you know, three or three days or whatever, you know. There's nothing wrong with working out every day when you feel like it, but when you have to do it in order to um, function, where literally it's hard for you to let go of other things to do that, then you've got an addiction, you know, because people do that. People do get addicted to that and the food, you know, what that entails. And what was the other one? Oh, lust yeah, and so you can you can get into these cycles where you can either be um, excessive or repressive, and neither one is a great place. you know what I mean? And so finding that right balance is is a difficult thing. Um, and um, In, you know, unless you're a monk or a nun or someone who is consecrated to God in a way where you're supposed to lead a celibate life, those kinds of, um, uh, balances are things that you generally do have to seek out and try to achieve and find the proper way and the way that it's going to work for you and your spouse, um, you know, for people listening, their partner, their wife, their husband, whatever, you have to find that proper, um, balance for, you know, each individual person and each individual couple, because it is different for each one. And, and so that's important too, um, because it's, um, But of course, that's where people can get caught up too, because then they start worrying about well, what is normal rather than what is uh, what is functionally good for us as individuals, right? And not as a couple, not doing harm, right? What works for us, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a lot of frequency or not a lot of frequency or somewhere in the middle, because everyone and every couple is different. And none of those solutions is wrong. It's what works. And so it's real important not to get caught up in what statistics or what people say is right or wrong or whatever. It's what works for you and what works for your unit, you know, your spousal relationship. And that's, you know, don't get caught up with what other people say or is working for them. It's got to be what works
0: for the two of you, you know? And then how does energetic impetus uh, relate to this this topic?
1: Well, energetic impetus is um, really important because the energetic impetus is what, ironically, in the initiations, you're going to be taken through initiations that are going to um uh, uh fuel, fuel these things. And so you need that energetic impetus that will launch you towards moving through these um these karmic configurations to a point where you're reaching them uh to become more and more and more closer to an eternal. And then you will eventually reach a point of some type of balance. And that's where, you know, one of the things between karma and eternal, a karmic relationship and eternal relationship, karma, chaos, eternal peace. So what you're always looking for in the energy, the impetus that is being pushed is pushing the soul to move out of the confusion and the chaos Move through the process. And again, notice the word through. I use that word a lot because it's his, a lot of people will try to move around, above, below, in any way except through. You have to move through it because the only way you actually uh, achieve this is by recognizing, identifying, and then being able to eventually process what these karmic misunderstandings are, what these um, things that you have held to be true that may not actually be God's truth. They may just be things that you've held on to that you thought were true. And this is where you start transforming what you believe, what you know, not just about God, not just about relationships, but how reality works, how change occurs in a soul. And this is how you see it happen. And so the energetic impetus is so important because that's what your spiritual teachers and um, the uh, spiritual guardian angels and stuff, and all of the different beings that come to you throughout the initiations, that's what they're doing is they're bringing in the energy to push you forward Um, because you know what we see with a lot of people in the human life is we can get stuck and then we don't want to do anything new after a certain point you know a lot of us can have um, some impetus or sometimes even a great deal of impetus in our early adulthood like in our 20s. And then somewhere around, you know, 25 or 30, we're like, okay, this is all there is. And we stop, but that's not how it actually works. We should be allowing that spiritual impetus to be moving and changing us throughout our life so that we can continually renew, alter, and move forward and through into greater potentiality.
0: Okay. And so let's take that uh, into the grand phases of the soul. Okay. And so uh, as far as um, the mechanics of energy involved uh, with the grand phases of soul, can you take us through um, how energy, the mechanics of energy is involved in that in a concise uh, way, which we, you always do, but in a way that, because for time purposes, we have a lot, so much material to get through. Um, let's take the initiates through the mechanics of energy involved with this. Okay. So the first phase, starting out with the purification, the energetic impetus, and then I mean it's gonna be a different roller coaster ride for every single individual, of course. Yeah, um, Would you like a different phrasing of the question? Yeah, be a little more specific
1: as to what
0: you're... Okay, well, in this chapter on the mechanics of energy, we really talk about the three grand phases of the soul a lot during this chapter when it comes to energy. And so just like off the top of your head with, um, you know, when you wrote this about the mechanics of energy and then you're like, well, let's talk about the mechanics of energy in regards to how the process of the evolution of your soul goes through these three phases. So I think I just said the same exact question.
1: That's okay. I think I understand where you're going. You know, so in purification, the way the energy is gonna move is you're going to start in purification going into the higher worlds You're also going to be working on altering personal thrusts that take you towards delusion, um, self gratification, and vice. Um, So, those are the things that are going to be happening in personal uh, purification. As you move down into the discrimination pathway, you're going to be taking on the energetic impetus of the energetic evolution, how energy evolves. And so you learn about, you start learning about the darkness and, um, you know, but you're not dealing with the real heavy duty stuff yet. You're learning about how energy is altered in the management realms, which we've discussed before, um, and how to do it, and you get trained in it. In the discipline pathway, you're taken into the, the depths of evil. And um, and then you are literally learning, not just how to alter those things within your own soul, but combating those forces on the ground and all around you. Um, and so, so keep, it, it and is so a keeping continual. Your,
0: keeping your energy, ahead. keeping your energy intact.
1: Keeping it intact, um, right. but right. also your energy is constantly becoming capable Of handling more and more and more. You know, so we begin the path. You know, ironically, mystical theologians discuss this um, in a different way. They talk about um, in the purification pathway, they say that we receive many, many consolations. And this is what they're speaking about. This means, oh, we have these beautiful experiences where we see the angels, and we see the higher realms, and we experience the love and the light and of the universe and of God, and we have these beautiful things. Those are the consolations, but the mystical theologians will then tell you that the further you go down the path, the less and less that's going to happen because God expects you, like a baby, to be weaned from the bottle, where right. you can handle more and more and more of the more and more difficult stuff. And that's how it actually then flows through. One of the good things that um, for people to know is that once you move through um, purification, discrimination, and then discipline, and you've taken this journey, literally, from the heavens through the purgatories and then into the hells and back, then, you know, there are these other stages. And these other stages contain a whole nother set of um, really fascinating and really awesome experiences that um, we'll talk about in other things that we do. Um, But, you know, so the journey continually expands and unfolds, Um, but the good news is that once you go through that initiation, where you move through those realms into that deep evil, you do get to come back up, come back forever changed because now you have a knowledge of evil that you didn't have before and it completely changes everything you know. But it is this knowledge that prepares you for all the things you will next do. And a lot of it has to do with serving many souls in many different circumstances in many realms, but it also has to do with your own journey. And this leads um, over many, 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 you know, uh, journeys to the the uh, pure lands, which is uh, something we recently traveled to, where you are being taken into the spheres where the servants of God commingle. You know, yes.
0: yeah, we did, uh, we did that at the uh, the conference for consciousness and human evolution. You
1: yes, took yes, and path. it's a very very beautiful place, um, the um, the pure lands. And, um, and so, you know, as you continue the journey, you will continue to be finding that there is always more, there's always more. And you do get to come out of that pit eventually. So it, it's not always just, oh no, it's gotta be more and more and more icky stuff. Right. You do get to come out of that, but you will always now at that point then be called upon you know, to be utilized in spiritual warfare, if that is part of your calling or mm. other things like that.
0: You know, it's like in regards to the energetic flux. And so when you're called to like go into the lower realm to assist somebody and also to, for training for yourself to you know, make us a little tougher or, um, more resistant or stronger in our own energy. I mean, I find, a, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't have to, to go to a lower realm for that. I just went to the beach. Like last <laughs> year, my three year old and it was like a hundred degrees and every single woman was wearing a thong. And <clears throat> so I was really strong in my energy because what happens with that energy flux, um, For me, what I can do is I can just go like, oh, wow, that's overwhelming. And now I feel ashamed (laughs) or whatever, you know? So I can kind of like suck my, I don't want to sit there and lust after people because energetically what it's doing is just robbing me of my own dignity and so many things. And so I just spent time with my son and I knew it was all around me in every single way. And I didn't have to be in a hell realm to be tested and to strengthen up my resolve. Um I just did that in my day to day just going to the going to the beach baby. Yeah. Yep. Well and and we all find
1: those those kinds of hell realms uh within our realm here in the physical world depending on what our own particular vices are, you know. Sure. So you know some people might find it to be the bar down the street is their own particular hell realm. Right. And you know Um, some people might find it to be the gym.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's all around us, isn't it? Well, this is kind of a, you know, it's a purgatorial realm and there's so many different levels within this third and fourth dimension and, and definitely the hell realms are trying to make their way in and influence this arena. And so that's what we're in. So, yeah, these are the testing grounds of our soul. Now, I think we're ready to go on to uh, the mechanics of eternal law. Oh, yeah, I love this. And so of course, again, we're reverse engineering. So we're coming yeah. back to the beginning of your book where we just talk about you know, what is the nature of reality and the marriage between mysticism and modern day science. But um, in regards to uh, the mechanics of eternal law, and uh, the universal law under which energy is governed and its uh, consequences. I wonder if we can get into venial and mortal sins.
1: Oh boy, sure. Okay. Yes, venial, um, this is a Catholic determination. Um, venial uh, sins are sins that do not... Um, These are lesser sins that do not separate you from the grace of God, whereas a mortal sin is something that is more serious in nature that can separate you from the grace of God until you have repented of that sin. In the Catholic faith, that would be going to confession and doing penance. And for those who are not Catholic, that would be you know, confessing before God in whatever way you might do in your own tradition and going through your own repentance process and prayer, of recognizing it and bringing yourself back. It's basically what we say when we're talking about the saints who always got back up, it's getting back up again. Um, so mortal sins are things that are more serious. Uh, for instance, certain sexual sins, obviously things like murder, um, uh, violence, or uh, certain uh, acts of anger that are played out. Venial sins might be things like uh, things being impatient towards another person inordinately. And inordinately would mean in, uh, in a way that is out of proportion to the circumstances uh and what it requires um, mm-hmm. could be being impatient it could be you said something unnecessarily unkind, it could be um, uh, maybe you took something like a paper clip home from work that would be a venial sin mm-hmm. but if you if you took like the the computer home from work, that would be a mortal sin, <laughs> you, know, if you, you know, in terms of stealing, you know, so these are things where, you know, so like in, um, in, in the terms of moral theology and things, the, the requirements for these things are always reparation, which means that when it is possible to uh, remediate whatever it is that you have done, so like let's say you took the computer, you would bring it back. If you took the paperclip, you'd bring it back, or you would
0: reimburse. You know, um, so that's a uh, reparable versus irreparable sins.
1: Yes, yeah, like so, um, so, and then like if you if you were unkind to somebody, it would it would ask of you to apologize, say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be impatient with you. That was not necessary." Um, These types of things would be reparation and then confession in whatever way is, um, you know, appropriate to your own particular faith practice. And then we do penance in the Catholic Church. A priest will give us penance uh, in the confessional. Um, But you can give your. in, in the Catholic Church. A lot of times it's either prayers, specific prayers that we're to do. And or like acts of charity to do um, things like this. And so we can also do that for ourselves. So we can um, do penance that we ourselves determine if we're in a different faith or something like that, where we decide I'm going to do this in reparation for something that I've done that I can't really fix at this point in my life.
0: You know what I mean? And so ultimately, um, in the mysteries of the redemption, uh, as an example, I mean, really what we're wanting to do is, is uh, not be involved in this karmic cycle. We want yeah. to not have all these attachments to worldly things so that we can then uh, move on as an initiate into other higher realms of, of mystery. And as long as we're connected to this, and these sins keep us connected, and consequently, um, like a venial sin, because like souls, like attracts like. And so we're going to go to these particular realms according to what we are energetically. And so a venial sin might, you know, like let's say when we pass on as a soul, then we're going to go to a particular place, you know, where, you know, it's, that's where energetically, vibrationally, we, we uh, you know, are. And when we, when we pass, same, but if it's a, you know, a mortal sin, then we're going down even lower. So it's like, we're just talking about, it's not like we're just talking about sin, you know, for, for no particular reason. It's like in overcoming these karmic things that we do and seeing where we're at, are we doing venial or mortal? Then once we do get through that, do reparations for that, then we're allowed to go to the higher. Higher spaces, the higher realms, the higher places.
1: Right, and what it does is, when we when we are making like this examination of conscience in our lives on a daily or regular basis, it's always recommended that you try to do do it every day if you can, and if not, at least try to do it every few days or every week. Then you are um, you are trying to bring yourself back into the presence of God with every time that you are doing this Um, and so that's what is changing because what you were doing before you entered into this process is that you're just continuing to do the same things and nothing is changing and so you're kind of like almost walking further and further away from God and by entering into the process you are now by engaging in the examination of conscience you are Continually placing yourself back in his presence on a regular daily basis and people don't understand energetically that in and of itself can instigate out-of-body experiences quicker than just about anything else and the reason for that is is because that instigates purification because that's what we're doing. And so, you know, you mentioned as well that this can happen after we die, that we will go where we're compatible. But let me point out as well that for someone who enters into a purification path, you will find that they will also find immediately that they will be taken through temptations and they will go to these realms that reflect whatever their. Issues are at this time, right away, and so, you know, we can save that for after death, which is kind of wasting a lot of time. We can do it now, because as you you find, if you start the process now, you can actually work through it and overcome a bunch of those temptations, and then you're immediately starting to rise beyond them, and now all of a sudden, new potentialities have been made open for you. And this is part of these initiations. It's like, okay, you need to, you know, for instance, someone who's struggling with lust will be taken because by their natural, that's their energy, um, you'll be taken into these temptations and you'll find that over time, you'll respond to them at first subconsciously by just automatically going along with it because that's what you've always done. But over time, you'll start becoming conscious in the experiences and slowly being able to say no and turning it away. And as you continue to do this and becoming conscious in the dream, so to speak, then you are bringing to your conscious awareness this higher construct of this resolve to overcome the lust and to actually cultivate um, Continence, you know, which is an opposing virtue, and so that in and of itself then energizes the next initiation.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. The
1: whole next path there. You know what as I mean? As far as
0: the next path goes, a lot of people they just wait until they die and have their life review and go like, oh, okay, so I guess next life, um, yeah. You know, when we can have a life review like right now today and look at these things, and we can start to go through the process that we need to go through. Right. We're going to go to the, you know, the next levels. Otherwise, I mean, that same cyclical, you know, hamster on the, you know, the wheel just you know, we don't know what the heck's going on. We're just, you know, uh, on this roller coaster ride. And then when it's done, we're like, oh, is that it? It's like, nope, actually. (laughs) You didn't do all you, of these things. You they forgot have... to do everything that you tried <laughs> <Everything>. to do. <laughs> How'd I do? Like, oh. repeat it again? <laughs> it's only a million times. It's average. <laughs> well, you have, this, you have this one quote um, right around this area in this chapter. God is above the source and also the goal of every living being. I like that quote. And I want to um, switch into um, the Kabbalah, which you talked about in this chapter. And Kabbalah means secret. And uh, so rabbis would teach about uh, the soul of the law and the soul of the soul of the law. Yep. And uh, so the Kabbalah was concealed only for the highest initiates. Uh, Moses, in regards to these, secret doctrines of Israel and the Kabbalah mysteries uh, it was said that he had taught um, there was a lineage of teachers of 70 elders that were initiated by Moses and that mm-hmm. Kabbalah was initially taught by angels
1: yes yeah?
0: and so I just find this really and, and a couple of his initiates included uh, David and Solomon and so when people think about initiations into the mysteries, they will think of things such as the Kabbalah or the Kabbalah. And so um, do you have some uh, some things to impart about this subject that I just brought up?
1: Well, there's a lot of uh, things that people might think of in terms of, because there are, uh, you know, the Kabbalah is one of the mystery texts, but there's a lot of them, but um, yes, um, you know, the, the whole tradition began with um, Adam being, having the secrets communicated to him from the angels, and there's another book that I wrote called The Primordial Seed, which really goes in detail on this whole thing that happened at the time of Adam's creation, and, um, and so we'll probably be doing something on that later. Uh,
0: yeah. i've listened to i've listened to the audible book of that and it's uh, it's really great yeah. we'll definitely do something with that yeah. so, so you know
1: when we talk about when we talk about how moses imparted the mysteries to these other prophets remember what that means because when we are going through the initiations and the mysteries we are having mysteries imparted to us as well which means that we are also going to receive the mysteries from various beings from the past. So, for instance, Moses, or Toth, Toth from the ancient Egyptian mysteries, um, Nefertiti from the ancient Egyptian mysteries, um, and then all of the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics, and, you know, all of those beings are um, a part of the ancient mysteries. Native Americans, shamans, they, these are beings that come forth during the initiations into the mysteries and impart these things to us. And so, the, you know, again, this is, we go back to knowledge is vibration, and that's how these mysteries are imparted to us vibrationally.
0: So we have to uh, become worthy of the primordial seed by being a fertile earth. Yes. That's, you know ready for it yes exactly
1: we have to be fertile that is well said brian i love that that is so true and um the you know the whole uh part of what the kabbalah was if you read it you'll see it's these great teachers of israel these great rabbis who were reading the scriptures mystically And so they were able to read the scriptures, but they were able to read between the lines mystically. So they understood not just the grounded level meaning, which, because all ancient sacred texts have these types of things. There's the level that, and Jesus spoke of this too, there's uh, the meaning that we are to receive on the ground. And then there's exoteric. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then the esoteric, which is, you know, which is reserved for the initiates to hear from the spirit. And so there is the secret and inner meaning of the scriptures. And that's what the Kabbalah is, where they're interpreting the scriptures according to that esoteric meaning. And they received this because they were reading them mystically. Mm-hmm. And they were receiving from, you know, okay. from Moses and others, you know, because it wasn't just Moses. They were re- reading from, uh, you know, they were receiving the, these from, um, you know, the angels, too, you know.
0: And, and the, it's simply about the Kabbalah. I'm sorry to think like am interrupting sometimes, because I know that you could <laughs> just go on forever with, it's, you know, a path of gold. And so whenever I inter, you know, want to interject something, I kind of say, "Should I interject that?" But it's no, not I, to I either, interject. Okay, all right, cool. It's not to interject, but it says like simply like the Kabbalah at the heart of it is going from selfishness to selflessness. Exactly.
1: Say? Okay. Yes, and and that is exactly what I you know Jesus told me during my near death experience, which is that the goal of human life is to go from selfishness to selflessness.
0: That's one of the reasons I love the the New Testament, which I haven't read for like 20 years, but I just read it like four or five times back to back to back to back to back. But that's really what the New Testament is about too, to me Mm -hmm. as well, just like the Kabbalah, I guess.
1: Yes, there is that, um, that common thread and you'll find that that's very similar in most of the ancient sacred texts. It's going from selfishness to selflessness. Um, but there is more to it, and that's what the mysteries will bring up within us, and some of these things are energetic and cannot be put into words, and they are mysteries, and so you cannot necessarily always explain all of them. There are things that you witness, you know, in the initiation realms where it it's beautiful and mysterious, and it's like, wow, I get it now. But you're never going to be able to explain it to any person on the so ground.
0: Because the outcome on the ground is not the same as the energetic outcome.
1: Well, no, because the what you're seeing in the initiations into the mysteries is is not related to any outcome on the ground. It is a... It is something of the truth that is being revealed to you mysteriously. And, um, but on such a deep level that it's, it's not, uh, you cannot quantify it in words. It's, and there is so much of that. I mean, literally, you know, I've written 102 books. I got two more halfway finished and, um,
0: <laughs> Get to <laughs> work, I Marilyn, get you. to work. <laughs> I can tell you, we were up till two in the morning last I night. Right?
1: Could, and this is important. If I could, if I could have written the everything I've seen, it would be thousands of books. You know, I've literally captured just a tiny little piece mm. of what I've been shown. And so, what I'm trying to say is. The initiations into the mysteries you're going to see and take in things that you will never be able to explain, but they're very important for you to take them in. They have absolute um, importance beyond words, um, and maybe that's why they are beyond words <laughs> you know. Um, (laughs) But, you know, literally, um, even just looking at, you know, without the grace of God, I never would have been able to capture what I have in words of what I have seen. But even so, it is still just such a microcosm of those events, because it is not possible to encapsulate these worlds in, in a way that the human mind can really comprehend. We only understand it when we're standing there in our spiritual body and taking it in energetically. And it literally can be entering into us at the speed of light or the speed of thought and millions of millions of you know fibers of consciousness and and uh details are entering into us all in every single millisecond and there's no way you will ever put that into words but you will never you will be forever changed with every single initiation you come out a completely different being, even if you'll never be able to explain it completely the way that you would like. You just, um, you know, and maybe as humanity evolves and more and more people go through these initiations into the mysteries, we'll have a common language where we will be able to understand each other more. You know, I think that could happen because it'll be like, well, you know, when you saw this, you're like, oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> yes, got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it'll be, it'll be something where the common experience helps us to implode that information to one another better. Um, but it's really important that people understand that it is not a. Uh, This is part of the reason why um, it's so important for people to go through the process themselves in some way, shape, or form. Because it's really important that people do not put pressure on themselves that if they don't have these experiences, you know, that then they feel bad. Because that's, that's like totally counterproductive. Because we do have different ways that God works with each and every one of us. But to seek out those mysteries and be willing to receive them if and when God um, bestows them upon you is something that cannot be read and understood. You can read about it because there are books that have been written, but you will not understand it until you've experienced it. And even then, there remains levels of mystery that will, will, uh, will continue to be there because it is, it is, uh, these are things that are very deeply given. And so those levels of mystery do not get all revealed. Um, we, we understand the parts and the portions which we are given to know. And there are, there are things of God that we cannot know because we are the creature. We can watch it. We can witness it. We can experience it, but um, we cannot be it because we are not God, but we can stand in awe and witness it, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's so important to understand that because literally even with the 102 or however many books I end up writing, it will still be missing thousands and thousands of pages of things that could not be expressed, could not be written in words that I could not describe.